When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and I, I put my finger in the mark of the nails in my hand, in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of the Lord. Every year, without fail, the text for the first Sunday after Easter is Jesus appearing to the disciples and to Thomas. You've likely heard, then, many sermons. You've had many Bible studies about doubting Thomas. And usually those sermons or those Bible studies tell you why we shouldn't call him doubting Thomas. And they give you a number of reasons. One of the reasons is that the word doubt isn't actually in the text. In Greek, it is unbelieving, not doubt. Second, it's unfair that Thomas gets the moniker doubting when in fact, he has the strongest confession of Jesus in the whole gospel, my Lord and my God. And third, shouldn't the other disciples also have the title Doubting? After all, they heard Mary Magdalene's experience of seeing Jesus alive and outside of the tomb, and they don't seem to believe her until they see him themselves. Why is it Thomas that only gets the title Doubting? There's this pattern throughout the Gospel of John where folks have an encounter with Jesus, then they go and tell someone else, and then that person desires to have their own encounter with Jesus. Andrew stayed with Jesus two days, and then he goes and tells his brother Peter all about it, and Peter wants to go see Jesus for himself. Philip followed Jesus, and then he went and told Nathaniel. Nathaniel 
thought nothing good can come from Nazareth, and so he too encountered Jesus. The woman at the well went to tell all of her people about the encounter she had. The Samaritans said, though, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it ourselves, and we know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That pattern of experiencing, telling someone else and desiring your own encounter, that continues after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene tells the disciples, but apparently not believing a woman's own experience seems to go back pretty far in history. Her story isn't enough. They need to see it to believe it. And they do. And they tell Thomas But Thomas wants his own encounter. In fact, Thomas wants a little more. If there's any charge against Thomas, it's not that he's doubting or unbelieving, it's maybe that he's a little demanding. It's not enough for me to see, I want to touch. But who doesn't want that? I mean, don't we all want to see and to touch and to encounter the risen Lord? Of course we do. For a number of reasons, to quash our doubt, to strengthen our belief, to give us a story to share. Maybe you sat here last week and you sang and you proclaimed that Christ has risen, but in the back of your mind, you wondered, is it really true? How could there be a resurrection? I want to see the scars too. The problem that we have, or maybe it's just the problem that I have with Thomas, is not that he doubted or was unbelieving. It's not that he was demanding. The problem that I have with Thomas is that I'm jealous of him. I'm jealous of Thomas because he demanded demanded more than what his disciples had, and it happened. I won't believe unless I see and I touch, and miraculously, it came true. It's as if on command, Thomas made a request, Jesus heard it, and made it happen within a week. The problem I have with Thomas is I'm jealous. Aren't you? Don't you wish that Jesus met all your requests? That you could give commands when you had doubts or when something had gone wrong and Jesus would just show up within a week? How many times have you pleaded with God saying something just like Thomas, do this for me, God, and I'll fill in the blank. God, fix my marriage, and we'll go to church every week. Jesus, heal my spouse, my friend, my parent, and then I'll really believe that you are a healer. Show up in my life, God, when I am afraid or grieving or stressed because my faith is weak and I need to know you are there. You did it for Thomas after all. Aren't you jealous? It's trite 
to say that God's ways are not our ways, but it's true. And I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. We face evil, we make our own messes, but there are just some things we can't know this side of heaven. Like friends dying young, loved ones or yourselves suffering from cancer, a seemingly unfair world full of violence and greed, and on top of it all, why God doesn't seem to respond to our request how and when we would like. Yet I have to believe that when Jesus shows up to Thomas in that house, he brings good news not only to Thomas, but to you and I as well. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Somehow, Jesus calls us blessed. Us, you and I, the ones who have not seen, the ones who have made the request, the demands, and didn't get the answers that we wanted. The ones who have faced evil and cancer, the ones who are full of doubts and worries and stresses about life and Jesus and faith and where God is at in all of it. Somehow we're blessed. And I think we're blessed because we too encounter the risen Lord. Just perhaps not in ways that we would expect or are mindful of in the moments. And there are many examples that we could share of this, but there are three I think that are most poignant. First, we encounter the risen Lord in forgiveness. It's as if we can feel Jesus' breath pass our lips and ears every time we hear or say the words, I forgive you. Because it's the resurrected Lord who gives the disciples and us the mission of forgiveness and equips us with the Holy Spirit to do so. I forgive you. Second, every week here at this table, not only do we remember Jesus eating and drinking with friends, but we encounter the risen Lord who says to you, this is my body, my body given for you. And so we gather, we take the bread, we take the cup, trusting that Jesus is really giving himself to us to strengthen you, to nourish you for all that you may face. And third, perhaps a little bit of a surprise to some, we see Jesus, we encounter the risen Lord and other people. And I don't mean your family or your friends or Pastor Mark, though you may. We meet Jesus and those who bear his resemblance. The people who have nothing those who are beaten down yet still living, crucified by those in power and can't help but show their scars. Dorothy Day is my favorite Catholic of all time. There's a picture of her in my office. 
And she puts seeing Christ and others this way. She says, the mystery of the poor is this, that they are Jesus. And what you do for them, you do for him. It is the only way we have of knowing and believing in our love. Many folks ask me, how is it that we believe? It's because we have seen Jesus' hands and his feet in the poor around us. He has shown himself to us in them. We start by loving them for Jesus, and we soon love them for themselves, each one a unique person, special. You know, in this life, we may not see Jesus the way Thomas had. Scars, hands, and nail marks. But rather than be envious like I am, we can and should ask and demand the way Thomas did. After all, Jesus did say to Thomas and to us, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father is glorified through me. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. And we should take Jesus at his word. So request to experience the love of God and then go and ask for forgiveness because that's where you will experience it most. Cry out to God for strength and grace and hope and then come to the table because that's where God gives himself to us us each and every time, every Sunday, offering us exactly what we need. And demand to see the risen Lord. Demand it, just as Thomas did. And then go and serve your neighbor. Because that's where you'll find him. Thanks be to God. Amen.